You are about to hear the most interesting, informative, thought-provoking, opinion-leading, and funny show in America, on air and on the World Wide Web. This is The Rob Carson Show. Well, happy Friday. Yes, it is. Or fry. Yay. <laughs> I'm Mary Walters sitting in for Rob Carson. I hope everyone's having a great day. Uh, some parts of the country, though, where I am, uh, it is. It's, have you seen the video out of New York? The subway's flooding. It's just crazy. The water's coming up through the floor in my basement, which it hasn't done since Sandy. And it's coming in the walls. It's It's crazy. I, I keep saying if anybody says the word drought to me in like for the next four months or so, I'm just going to get it. I don't want to hear drought. We have so much water. Feast or famine, right? All right. Coming up on the show next hour, Dave Whited will be joining us. He is the host of Flyover Conservatives podcast, and we will speak to him about Hunter Biden. He's a Hunter uh, Hunter Biden case specialist. Uh, Liz Peek joins us uh, in the last hour to discuss all, all news, all breaking news. She's great on everything, so we're going to talk to her and then Hans von Spukowski, Hans von Spukowski, I have not screwed that up in a long time, uh, joins us also in the last hour. We're going to talk about Trump's land fraud problem. Yeah, Trump's got a land fraud problem. And we'll, they're trying to just destroy his empire because he's Trump. So we'll talk to Hans about that. But we are going to kick it off with an amazing woman. Her name is Christine Flowers. She is an attorney and a columnist for the Kegel News Institute. You can follow her on Twitter at FlowerLady61. Christine, welcome to the Rob Carson Show. Oh, and Christine is on the Newsmax hotline. I need to tell you that as well, because uh, only very few people get to call in on the Newsmax hotline. So, Christine, welcome. <laughs> Hello, my love, Mary. How are you doing? It's so wonderful to hear your voice. And yes. my my sympathies to everyone who is, you know, <laughs> wading through those apocalyptic waters. We down in Philadelphia had some heavy rains yesterday and the day before, but it's uh, all clear sailing right now. The heavy rains came after the rioting, so I was just waiting for the locusts to come in after that. But we're we're okay today. Or the frogs. You know, but it's good because it kind of clean, it washes all that stuff away, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> we're going to talk about the rioting in Philly. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. We're going to get to that. And that's why Christine is here, because she is in Philadelphia. And she writes a lot about Philadelphia. And her columns are, are carried in various publications. And she's also a, a television and news commentator as well. But she's an expert on all things Philadelphia. Uh, I want to start off, though, with the passing of Dianne Feinstein. Uh, that news is coming in this morning. 90 years old. She passed away at her home in Washington, D.C. last night. Now, she was present in the Senate on yesterday, excuse me, on Wednesday, and she cast a vote at 1145 in the morning. She missed two votes later in the afternoon. And listen, she's a lifelong politician. She was a mayor. She was a chair. Uh, she's a senator. So she had a lifelong uh, service in in politics and I don't know if we call it service anymore because I think a lot of them make you know I don't know I think they think that we work for them but I honestly don't think despite her being a Democrat I really don't think Dianne Feinstein was one of those super partisans she's old school in the sense of sometimes you have to cross the aisle uh, so so I think she was she was one of the older guard where who was willing to kind of like Tip O'Neill and Ronald Reagan you know, she's from that school. Am I wrong? 
No, you're not wrong at all, and, and I agree with what you said about her being from an, an era that no longer really exists. She is the, the Tip O'Neill, um, Scoop Jackson kind of Democrat who actually had friends on the other side. There wasn't this animus. And I remember, she first came to my attention, and you'll remember this, Mary, years ago when she had to take over. She was the head of the, the Board of Supervisors in San Francisco when Harvey Milk and Dan, um, Dan I'm sorry, not Dan, George Moscone, the mayor of San Francisco, were assassinated by Dan White. If you remember that he had come into their city hall and he had killed both the mayor and one of the commissioners, um, yes. Harvey Milk. Yes. And Diane, I believe, was the head of the Board of Supervisors at that time, and she became mayor. Um, and she really did hold the city together at a very difficult time. I remember that, and I remember thinking it was incredibly admirable, the work that she did. I obviously disagreed with a lot of her policy positions, but in terms of her style and in terms of her I think willingness to listen to the other side. She was an old school Democrat, and they really don't exist anymore, Mary. Right. So yeah. I, I do mourn her passing, and I, I've, I've looked on social media, and I'm I'm angry at some of the people who are making fun of her. There's 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 been some mocking of her, and I think that I understand there's been a lot of divisiveness divisiveness in this country, but. You just don't do that at this time, and especially not with someone who really was not a malicious person. She she wasn't the partisan type of Democrat, or she wasn't an extremist. Uh, and so I feel very sad that she is gone. I do think that she stayed on way too long, and yeah. I think the Democrats were doing what the Democrats tend to do, which is they just try and hold on to a seat however they can. Um, my, you know, I'm, I'm embarrassed by the Pennsylvanians who voted in John Fetterman, who's clearly unqualified and not medically competent to be in office, but that's what Democrats do. Um, so she should not have been in office. But as far as a human being, a person, uh, a woman of substance, I think uh, we should all uh, mourn her passing. Yeah, no, very well said. And I, I don't throw stones on either side. It's just not in my DNA to to say horrible things when someone passes that maybe I didn't agree with it just because you disagree doesn't mean that you wish them ill you know but that right. but then again you and I are ancient uh, and we were also raised with values and manners so there's and we that went to Villanova so and we that. both went to Villanova <laughs> yes we did <laughs> that good Augustinian uh, upbringing that they beat into us for four years <laughs> that's, right. that's right go Wildcats and and pressure's already on Gavin Newsom to appoint someone, but they have a primary coming up in just a couple months, and he said he doesn't want to tip the balance, so he's going to appoint someone basically to sit in the seat. He could probably just appoint the person who was telling Diane Feinstein which way to vote. Remember that video? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you could just do that. Uh, let's let's get, move on and talk about uh, Philadelphia, though, because that is why you're here, and I would hate to uh, run out of time. Uh, so so Philadelphia, what is going on in your city? Uh, you know, uh, my my poor city. It's it's 
just devolving into we we have no one in a position of authority that actually you can respect. We have an outgoing mayor, thank God he's outgoing, uh, Jim Kenny, who actually just tried to veto a ban that our city council had passed on safe injection sites. I, I call them legalized shooting galleries, but our city council recognized that this was dangerous to have this in the city, and so they passed a ban. Well, our mayor decided he was going to veto that, and fortunately there were enough votes in uh, on city council that they were able to override his veto. So that's our outgoing mayor. That gives you an idea, a sense of his character. <clears throat> Excuse me. Then we have a district attorney who was essentially handpicked by George Soros, even though maybe 12 and a half people in the city of Philadelphia actually cast votes for him. Um, there was a, a majority of a minority percentage of people who went to the polls and voted for him. He is uber progressive. So there was a police shooting about a month and a half ago. A man was in a, a car. He had a knife, and the police officer believed that this was a gun because of the way that the knife was situated. There's some question as to what actually happened. The police officer opened fire because he believed that he was in danger. The driver of the car died. And because of that, our district attorney decided to charge the police officer with first-degree murder. Um, The other day, Tuesday, those charges were dismissed by a judge who understands the law. She looked and she said there wasn't enough evidence to support a charge of first-degree murder. And this is something that this DA, Larry Krasner, does all the time, Mary. He overcharges, specifically police officers, because he has his hatred. He used to be a public defender, so go figure. He's now our chief prosecutor. Um, and he, so he overcharged him. The judge dismissed the charges. There was outrage, not quite at the level of the BLM George Floyd riots, but there was Mm -hmm. outrage. The family protested. They had a march at City Hall. Parallel march, it wasn't even a march, they were riots, which I was caught up in, in the streets in Center City, Philadelphia. There was looting, there was vandalizing. Um, An Apple store in Center City was gutted. All of the electronics were taken out of it. Uh, Foot Locker store was gutted. Lululemon was gutted. And we had somebody in the city write an article about how, well, this was just an example and an, an outpouring of frustration at the inequity and the poverty in the city. And I tweeted back, I said, yeah, because everyone knows that the cure for poverty is a pair of $500 sneakers from Foot Locker. Right. It just right, Christine, I'm, I'm just going to I'm just gonna break in and hold, just going to put you on hold here for a hot second, okay? We're going to come back because I want to give you more time. I want to go into this more, you know, I we, we kind of got sidetracked a little bit with Diane Feinstein and there, I have a lot of questions for you and I want to hear more about you getting caught up in this because I saw your tweet and I'm like, she's four feet tall. They're going to kill her. <laughs> so more with Christine Flowers coming up on the Rob Carson Show. I'm Mary Walter in for Rob Carson. Happy Friday to ya. Uh, joining us right now, Christine Flowers. She is a Philadelphia attorney. She's a columnist for the Cagle News Syndicate. You can see her on TV and hear her on radio uh, expounding just as she's doing for us because she's a very smart woman. Uh, and we're talking about what is happening in Philadelphia. So there was a police shooting, just like we it has precipitated so many of these other riots. And it just seems to be the de facto knee-jerk reaction. Oh, black person was killed by a cop. We don't care. You know, don't worry about the facts. And off they go. 
go and they they loot all these stores. Now, Christine, I saw a list of people who were charged and Meatball being the most famous of them all, the Meatball lady. Um, are, will these um, charges be dropped because of Krasner? Well, uh, we you never know what Krasner's going to do. I have a feeling he is, he's probably not going to drop the charges, but he's going to reduce them because Meatball, and believe me, that is an apt name if you see her mugshot, um, she was charged with, I think, seven felonies. And, um, you know, already the Philadelphia Inquirer is running columns about, well, is she really guilty of fomenting and inciting the rioting, or did she just sort of live stream something that was already in progress? So you already have the media that seems to be trying to um, carry water for her, or water, since I'm from Philadelphia. But I think that there has been such anger against these just random pop-up riots that he's going to have a hard time completely dismissing the charges altogether. Uh, I don't think the felonies are going to stick, unfortunately, but I do think that there are going to be some convictions. And, it, you know, Mary, I, I, when I say I was caught up in it, I was riding in a bus down Chestnut Street, which not too far from where I live. I was headed home. And the bus had to stop numerous times, and there was a slight detour because of police detours and because there were kids, kids, there were people who were running back and forth, running out of the stores. They were, I mean, unapologetically, they had the um, items in their arms. They were walking out. They smashed windows. It's just, there was... There has to be accountability for it. There has to be something. There was nothing when Philadelphia went up in flames back in 2020. So I think this time around, there's also a different feeling. We're having a primary, um, we're having a mayoral primary and a city council primary in about a month and a half. There are a lot of people who are sick and tired with our DA and the very, very progressive Democrats that seem to have flooded the city because Philadelphia never was a, a blue, 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 blue city. It was a Democratic city in the vein of Diane Feinstein. It was the old school Democrats who used to be able to work with the old school Republicans, and now it's become radicalized, and it's all along racial lines. And can I say one thing about this police shooting? The irony of all ironies, the victim was not black. He was, I believe, he was Latino. I don't know if he was Puerto Rican or Dominican or what. And yet, the vast majority of the rioters on Tuesday night were black. So it, it, it was, it was, they used a shooting, a tragic incident, to just have a payday, to just, you know, loot the stores. And when I saw that column from a columnist that I know who was trying to excuse what was going on by saying, well, there's no excuse for looting, but you have to understand why they're so frustrated, I just, I, I blew a gasket because, you know, it's basically saying, well, criminality is justified. It's the old thing on West Side Story. Oh, we're depraved, Officer Krupke, because we're deprived. It, that doesn't fly. That doesn't work. Right. So, so, and I know some of the rioting was near Rittenhouse Square, and people who don't know Philadelphia, that's a very ritzy area. It's a very, very nice area. Those are the people who probably voted for Krasner. They're very, very liberal. They're limousine liberals. And now it's coming home to roost. Now it's starting to happen in their part of the town. Do you think that changes the narrative for them? I think it does. 
And I think that, well, we had a mayoral primary back in May, and several of the candidates, including one in particular, were extremely, extremely liberal, progressive. They also happened to all live in areas that were not affected by crime and violence. They all they they happened to live in the Rittenhouse Square area, and it was a it was easy for them to say, well, you know, we have to worry about the underprivileged because the crime wasn't coming to their doorstep. Now and 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 the two really progressive uh, candidates lost, fortunately, but now the crime really is coming to their doorsteps. Ironically. Um, there is, for your listeners, there's a great documentary uh, streaming right now on Paramount Plus called 72 Seconds in Rittenhouse Square. And it's about a murder that took place five years ago in Rittenhouse Square, right near uh, the Stephen Starr Restaurant Row. If, if your listeners know, Stephen Starr, is a, he has these really upscale restaurants on Rittenhouse Square. And a man, a real estate developer, was stabbed to death, stabbed in the back by an Uber Eats delivery driver. And this docu-series, documentary, by my friend Ty Gray Hill is brilliant because it goes through the entire process, the, um, the, you know, the, the run-up to the crime, the crime, the aftermath, the investigation, and the trial. And I'm quoted in there talking about our old police commissioner, Frank Rizzo, and, and saying, you know, in Frank Rizzo, he was a very law and order yeah. kind of guy. He wasn't yeah. a nuanced guy. He wasn't woke. He didn't worry about what he said. And I, you know, postulated that he wouldn't fit in today, and that's a shame because we need someone like Frank Rizzo who isn't going to kowtow and bow to societal niceties and and political correctness. And I think that what's happening now in Philadelphia, there is the pendulum is swinging back in the other direction. We're no longer so worried about, oh, you know, racial injustice, systemic racism in the criminal justice system. No, we're worried about people getting shot to death on their front steps. And, you know, maybe you do live in a a nice area or maybe you live in a ghetto area. Either way, your life is valuable and you shouldn't be catering and pandering to criminals. Yeah, absolutely. And and what happens is, of course, these areas become deserts as far as food, as far as any kind of products. They can't get anything. You know, now you're going to have to pay for it and you're going to have to order it online. And for a lot of people, that's not necessarily possible. It's a pain in the butt to have to wait for things to come or you're going to have to travel somewhere to get it. Because how many times do you expect these merchants, you know, to just keep refilling your stores for you to go shopping for free to sell online, which is what a lot of them are doing with this with this merchandise they've set up a, a an underground black market it's happening all over the country mostly in our cities and they're living high they're making good money because if you steal you know $850 worth of stuff you don't go over the 900 limit in some in some cities yeah it's all yours just walk out with it so they do it once twice three times a week different stores and they just sell it online and they're making all that cash and they're not paying taxes on any of that stuff either so you know you look at it and you're like, hmm, maybe I'm the idiot right maybe I'm the dumb one here we got to run christine flowers thank you so much follow her on twitter at flower lady 61 have a fantastic weekend stay safe you too stay dry okay (laughs) yes we will thank you so much okay uh coming up on the rob carson show we are going to talk about that impeachment inquiry yesterday which I don't know about you, it was maddening. It was absolutely maddening. I was listening to it, wasn't watching it, and it, I was just yelling at my radio, stop, could somebody please stop talking? I don't know what's going on. 
I will share it with you coming up next right here on The Rob Carson Show. Hey guys, it's Carson. Today's podcast sponsored by NutraSense. That was the sound of a NutraSense biosensor. It's a small device that you put on the back of your arm that then provides real-time feedback on how your body responds to the foods that you're eating, your exercise, stress, and even your sleep. With NutraSense, you just take a photo of your meal, adjust for portion size, and NutraSense does the rest. NutraSense helps you track your data, see your glucose trends, and understand your macronutrient breakdown for each meal. You also get an overall glucose score for each meal based on your body's response. You'll be matched with a board-certified nutritionist who will review your data and answer all your questions. Plus, they give you a personalized nutrition plan so you can achieve your goals. You should try NutriSense today. It will open your eyes in profound ways to how your food, exercise, and lifestyle choices are affecting you. What's more, it empowers you with a real-time feedback loop showing the consequences of your food and lifestyle choices. It is a powerful tool for understanding your body and affecting positive change in your life. You can get all of this today. NutriSense has a special offer for our listeners. Visit NutriSense.com Carson. Use code CARSON to start decoding your body's messages and pave the way for a healthier life. Be sure to tell them you learned about NutriSense on the Rob Carson podcast. That's NutriSense.com slash Carson to save 30% off your first month, plus get a month of board-certified nutritionist support. I'm Mary Walter in for Rob Carson on the Rob Carson Show. Happy Friday to you. Uh, Coming up in one hour, David Whited will be joining us. He's a Hunter Biden case specialist. Ooh. Why didn't I think of that? Uh, next, and then uh, follow next hour, uh, Liz Peak will be joining us uh, to with General News. Going to talk about the impeachment inquiry and all sorts of things. And Hans von Spakovsky rounds it off for us with Trump's land fraud problem. You can follow me on Twitter at Mary Walter Radio. I'd appreciate it. I'm incredibly witty and funny. No. <laughs> I don't want to oversell and underdeliver. Uh, speaking of overselling and underdelivering, uh, let's talk about that impeachment inquiry, shall we? Uh, you and I want you to join me. If you want to comment on this, please do. One eight hundred nine two two six six eight zero. One eight hundred nine two two six six eight zero. I love your calls. You can disagree with me if you'd like. That's fine. My only rule is. No name calling, no talking over, no monologuing and just keeping going. Got to be nice, respectful. That's it. Let's ag- if you are disagreeing with me, let's agree to disagree. And let's be nice about it, okay? Because I would love to have you call back again the next time I'm on, which, by the way, that's Monday. I'll be here on Monday. So, all right, let's start. So yesterday, we have this impeachment inquiry hearing. And there, you know, this is an impeachment inquiry is not an impeachment it's just them deciding to, you know, get together and we're going to we're going to um, it, it's an official proceeding that gives them more power. The oversight committee, more power to subpoena certain records that the DOJ, FBI, National Archives are not turning over voluntarily. They are stonewalling. You know, they need more time to destroy them, in my humble opinion. But uh, so they're stonewalling. So now they can get more um more paperwork that they couldn't get before. 
And so that's a big deal. Now, on the left, remember, they were screaming that, um, oh, the uh, Kevin McCarthy didn't do it the right way. He didn't take a vote because he knew he wouldn't get the votes that you needed. Well, here's the thing. Um, I, I want to start with cut six. I'm going to go to cut six because I want to start off with this. So we'll start at the back and go forward. This was on CNN yesterday, and their senior analyst, uh, Ellie Honig, was talking about that and how the Democrats kept saying that this is illegitimate because Kevin McCarthy didn't hold this vote because, you know, he couldn't get enough votes to hold the impeachment inquiry. Now, remember, Democrats did not do an impeachment inquiry. They passed go and they just went straight to impeachment for Donald Trump. So Ellie Honig was asked about this and he's probably never going to have a job on CNN again because he said this. So there's an interesting history here. The question is, does the House need to vote as the full House on a resolution in order to open an impeachment inquiry? Or can it just be declared unilaterally by the Speaker of the House, by whichever party controls the House? If we look back through history, there was a full House vote on a resolution to open an impeachment inquiry in connection with both the Nixon and then Bill Clinton matters. However, things changed in 2019 when then Speaker Pelosi did essentially the same thing that Kevin McCarthy is now doing. And she said, we're not going to take a full house vote. I'm going to declare an opening to an impeachment inquiry. And that's it. And- <laughs> I see a lot of whining on Twitter. I can't believe they're doing this. They didn't know they're not following the rules. I'm just like, you started this. You did it first. There were so many things that happened, especially during the Trump years, where Democrats just totally ran over the rules, rewrote the rules, did whatever they wanted, and they never thought it would come back and bite them. Well, here you go. You started this. (laughs) I feel like sticking my fingers in my ears and going, nanny, nanny, boo, boo. You started it. How did they not think? Now, I realize they think, and so do I, that the Republicans are feckless and don't have the guts to do it. I'm shocked Kevin McCarthy did it. You know, Kevin McCarthy is getting a bad rap, and he's not my favorite, I'll admit. I'm not a huge fan. It only took him 300 and some odd days to finally do this. I don't think he really wanted to. But Matt Gates and um, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert and others pushed his hand. I'm glad they did. I'm glad they pushed him. So he did this, and he did it exactly the way Nancy Pelosi did it. Good for him. All right, so what happened yesterday? So each side gets five minutes, which, again, annoying as all get out, right? It's just five minutes of pontificating. And by the time you get partway through, you know exactly what the opposing side is going to say, and both sides do it. So the the Republicans, they were all, they were fairly organized this time, which is... um, unusual for the Republicans. They're usually not organized. They don't usually coordinate. Democrats are like a fine oiled machine and they all march in lockstep. Right. We're going to talk about that coming up later in the show about the Republicans and the infighting and the Democrats just all boom, they get in line. And the Republicans could have used that yesterday, in my humble opinion, but I think they did a better job than they're getting credit for because the media is not going to give them credit. And if you want to disagree, 1-800-922-6680. Tell me what you thought about it. As I said, I was listening, not watching. So sometimes you get a different impression. I had a hard time following because of all the shouting over each other. But the Democrats just kept coming back to Trump, 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 Trump. It was all about Trump, 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 this, Trump, that. Jared and Ivanka, um, you know, we should investigate them as well. Or they, they, tried, they just pivoted to the shutdown and they just gave a five-minute speech about Republicans are terrible, horrible people because of the, they want to shut down the government. 
And I'm kind of listening to that going, I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing for a while. You know, we could we could use a little calming down, a little time out with the government. And I think, you know, why not? <laughs> You're still going to get your Social Security checks. So just calm down about that. But otherwise, and, and, the, and the workers all get back pay. They all get their back pay. Are there other people that are going to suffer? Yeah, sure. But a lot of people suffering because of what the government's doing. So maybe we could do a little shutdown. We'll talk about that. So let's go to Nancy Mace. Nancy Mace cut one was on fire yesterday. And um, she she brought up some things uh, to remind the Democrats of actions on their own side especially with members of the squad. The members of the squad get a lot of attention because and so does Fetterman because they're just vulgar and they 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 go for shock value. And the left gets all upset when somebody like Marjorie Tra- Taylor Greene shows pictures from Hunter Biden's laptop that have been all over the internet and they go they lose their minds over it. How dare you? It's vulgar, it's porn, etc. But yet their side does it all the time. So here's Nancy Mace reminding them of some of the things people on their side of the aisle, especially Ilhan Omar, have said. Chair recognizes Ms. Mace. Mr. Chairman, I, re- I request unanimous consent to enter an article into the record dated January 6, 2019. A member of this own committee, the day after she was sworn in, came into Congress, uh, and this article says, Dem split in response to her words, impeach the mother effer the day after she was sworn in. Some might even say these kinds of comments, not only are they hypocritical by the left in their arguments today, but that this is an embarrassment to the time and people of this country. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Without objection, so ordered. Mr. Chairman, I'm, I'm afraid my friend, the gentleman from South Carolina, just engaged in personalities against a fellow member of the committee. Well, what she the, entered in the record was, I believe it was Ms. Tlaib's well, oh, it was the commentary that accompanied it, it that I'm referring to. It was article from January 6, 2018. Dems right. in response to impeach yeah. the mother-effer comment by a member of this committee. Right. It was the commentary. And in any event, it doesn't make any no, difference. No, she said it. She actually Ru- said it. No, but Rule 17. She said impeach the mother-effer. The commentary of the, what she is presenting. The article Her, title the, is the general lady's commentary to right, right, the mother-effer let's, let's comment. get on with it. Uh, I mean, the, you know, the government's about to shut down. Yeah. So they got caught. They tried to get it struck from the record. They didn't want it going into the record because they said, no, 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 you're making commentary about Rashida Tlaib. And then James Comer, you hear him jump in here because that was Jamie Raskin who jumped in first. And then James Comer says, but she said it. <laughs> like, wait, what? Why doesn't it go in the record? You say, well, she said comments. She's making comments about what she said. No. And then you hear AOC jump in there. Um, and uh, and then Comer is like, no, she said it. And I love that Nancy Mace just kept saying it over and over and over again to just get it in the record every single time. And I will say, you disagree with me, but it's the Nancy Maces, the Marjorie Taylor Greens, the um, Lauren Boberts, etc. You may not like them, but they play the game the way the Democrats play. They hand it back to them by the rules that they have established. When they go low, th- those women are like, okay, you want to play on this field? Let's play on this field. 
Too many of the establishment Republicans are, you know, consider themselves to be above it all. I wanted, and I said this on Twitter the day that they went for that stupid Senate rule, the Fetterman rule, where you could, you know, dress like uh, you just crawled out of a dumpster on, on the Senate floor unless you worked for them or you're a visitor, which they work for us. But if you're a visitor, you had to adhere to the dress code, you know, because because you know our, 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 our political elite are above us, the people who pay their salaries. And if you work for them, well, you're definitely above them, right? You're just staff. Those people who had to adhere to it. And I said I wanted every single Republican to show up the next day dressed in an oversized hoodie and baggy shorts. And I just had this picture of like Chuck Grassley in like this oversized hoodie with these big hanging oversized shorts. <laughs> that would have been hilarious. Democrats would have done it. Republicans don't have the guts to do it. They act like, well, that's not decorum. We're above that. No, sometimes you have to play the game with the rules your opponents are playing by. They may be breaking the rules. They may be breaking decorum or whatever the way it's always been done. Okay, it's kind of like Kevin McCarthy launching the impeachment inquiry without the vote. Hey, Democrats are the ones who broke the rules. They're the ones who who broke decorum first. Now he's finally, it took him 300 plus days, but he's finally playing by the same rules that they, they, they normalized. If they're going to normalize that behavior, sometimes you have to throw it back in their faces because they're not expecting it from the Republicans. So I'm glad Nancy Mays did it. Not safe for work, but I'm glad she did it. Okay. Um... I've got Marjorie Taylor Greene coming up, but I'm going to hold on to her because I've got I've got two, I've got two cousins. You know what? Actually, I'm going to take Marjorie Taylor Greene right now. Let's go to let's just go to Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, I'm going to play one of the two cuts of her. Let's go with cut two, and I want you to hear this because uh, she brought the receipts and she went after Hunter and Joe because the left keeps saying that there's no connection between Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. Oh no! Here's Marjorie Taylor Greene. And on July 25th, 2023, Chairman Comer and I sent the Department of Justice a letter requesting information related to victims of Hunter Biden, specifically women he sexually exploited and then claimed as deductions on his taxes through his law firm. But he never paid those taxes. Not surprisingly, the Department of Justice did not respond. After the DOJ's sweetheart Hunter Biden deal fell apart, by the way, led by the special counsel David Weiss, on September 8th, 2023, Chairman Comer and I again sent a letter to the same DOJ officials asking about victims' rights issues related to Hunter Biden's sexual exploitations. DOJ once again failed to respond. Well, yesterday I found out why they don't want to talk with us. In a new email just released, by the way, from October 2020, could you please display the email? The Delaware U.S. Attorney's Office, DOJ, tax, FBI, and IRS described evidence they have related to Mann Act violations. By the way, the subject of the email says Mann Act. First, the title, Mann Act, then it's clear there are charges on the table while the Department of Justice is in hiding from meeting with me. The Department of Justice and IRS email and David Weiss's Delaware U.S. Attorney's Office, the email states there are communications with trafficker number one and trafficker number two. 
and that Hunter Biden had escorts who traveled across state lines. These women are victims, and the Department of Justice is refusing to protect their rights. Not only that, David Weiss, the now special counsel in charge of supposedly investigating Hunter Biden, has been clearly covering up Hunter Biden's crimes since before the 2020 election, which is undoubtedly election interference. David Weiss is complicit and must be removed from the special counsel. Wow. We're going to talk about that and more from Marjorie Taylor Greene coming up next on The Rob Carson Show. I'm Mary Walter in for Rob Carson on The Rob Carson Show on this Friday afternoon. Uh, So Liz Peek, (laughs) who's supposed to be on the show with us later, is stuck in a New York City subway. She can't get out. So she's not going to be joining us. <laughs> she just she managed to text me. There's a lot of times you can't get a, a signal down there. And she did get a text through and said, I'm stuck on a subway. Um, can't get out. So I'm not going to be joining you. I'm like, oh, gosh, be safe. So, yeah, it's a mess in New York. Just a crazy mess. All right. Here's the rest of Marjorie Taylor Greene. And, and she's talking about human trafficking and the Man Act, which used to be the slavery trafficking, the White Slave Traffic Act of 1910. And Hunter Biden's connection to this and David Weiss, the special counsel, allegedly covering for him. We're going to talk about it. 1-800-922-6680. Here's the rest of Marjorie Taylor Greene. Let me give you an even better example based on an interview with one of Hunter Biden's victims with law enforcement. It says here that the victim, Hunter Biden's victim, stated that Biden told her that his father was the vice president and asked to Google search his name. Hunter Biden's victim stated she told Biden she was not interested in Google searching his name and just wanted to be paid. Hunter Biden's victim stated that Biden then showed her a picture of his father with President Barack Obama. Don't forget his father was vice president then. Hunter Biden's, sex, Hunter Biden's victim stated after she was shown the aforementioned picture who was the Vice President of the United States with the President of the United States, Barack Obama, she became afraid. After Hunter Biden's victim left the location, she arrived back at her apartment and told her friend who she was just with, Hunter Biden's victim stated that her friend told her, you have no idea who you're dealing with. These women were terrified terrified. He used his father, Hunter Biden used his father, the vice president of the United States, to threaten his victim who he had just trafficked for sex. And the Department of Justice refuses to speak to me. Hunter Biden needs to be held accountable accountable for his sexual exploitation of women. Yeah, you would think that the left would be down with that. You would think that that would be something they would want. I'll tell you a little bit more about the Man Act coming up, and I'm so glad MTG went there. 1-800-922-6680. I'm Mary Walter, and there's more coming up on The Rob Carson Show.
Hi, it's Tony Marino, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast, your daily news bulletin of Newsmax's top headlines, along with commentary from our hosts and experts. You can learn more about all of the free podcasts, including Newsmax Daily, Rob Carson, and Jerry Callahan at Newsmax.com slash listen. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com. We make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.